everybody. Welcome back to This Lesbianship is Intense. I'm V. And I'm Havoc. Just before we started recording, uh, we were deciding what we were going to talk about in the intro, and you reminded me of what happened today um, on Twitter. Can you t- share with the audience what, what happened today with uh, our beloved Freen and Becky? Sure. So um, they have a fan meet slash concert coming up at the end of March, and tickets go on sale um, 12 p.m. Bangkok time. So Green and Becky came on live on Twitter, on a Twitter space, and um, in order to promote their tickets going on sale, and they were so cute. Freen came on first, and she spent probably the first 10 to 15 minutes just trying to find Becky among a sea of Becky profile pics and trying to get her to be a speaker so they can do this thing together. And uh, yeah, it was not successful, and she had to stop and start again. <laughs> Anyone who pays attention to Freen outside of like the actual show and like her as a person knows that she is so freaking adorable, which is really funny when you think about the character that she plays on Gap. And so like when you told me that she was just like looking for Becky, I already knew it was going to sound cute. And then you showed me that the fans have already created like memes and like um, like like I don't even know what you would call it. They've just like taken every time she says Becky and just turned it into the repetition of Becky, Becky, where are you, Becky? In the cutest fucking voice ever. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that somebody actually did a count. And I want to say it's like 34 times she says Becky or some version of Becky, you know, while trying to figure out how to make her a speaker. Yeah. <laughs> Which um, I think like I had said to you, I was like, oh, my God, you're right. When all of your fans have your profile picture as your face, it does make it a little bit hard for people to find you. Um, And I imagine that there had to be like a shit ton of people on this space. Like, Uh, (laughs) So by the time the space ended, we were at 39,000 listeners. Shut the fuck up. I am not kidding. 39,000? Just as a reference. um. I saw somebody post their live in May of 2022. So this is like maybe six months before Gap premiered. That space had 500 listeners. Oh, man. I knew that they had a shit ton more people, but like, wow. Because that wasn't a, that was not a planned space, right? Like that was a... Oh, um... no. No. <laughs> Randomly decided to come on and say hi to everybody. Jesus and Christ. Yeah. That's so cute because I think about the fact that you've told me this before that sometimes you join spaces and like Freen will like show up to a space that's hosted by someone else. And like, I can't even imagine if the people I adored did that. Uh, they, do, they do it very infrequently, but Freen and Becky happened to both do it separately this one day. And I remember because I was at lunch and I left my lunch in the microwave so I can go <laughs> listen to it. <laughs> priorities Uh, yep (laughs) oh my god yeah no they don't do this a lot at all like you know maybe a few times a year kind of thing Mm -hmm. okay and so I just I thought it was a cute thing and there's always shit that they're doing they are so busy um I'm in a group chat with you uh about free Becky and I swear every day it's like I'm reading a fucking newspaper. I'm just so behind constantly because they're always doing promo and just being adorable. So it's a lot of fun to support them. 
Yeah, you got to think about the fact that the fandom is really international. Um, they have fans in different time zones. So at any hour of the day, there's somebody talking about them, posting about them. And of course, these girls work like so much. They're always churning out content. So mm -hmm. there's never a dull moment, really. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, just want to check in on what's one of the latest things that they've done. Uh, that's adorable. And I think we can go ahead and get into episode two now. Yeah? Yeah, sounds good. So we start episode two and they do the classic thing that I feel like soap operas tend to do where like an episode ended, but then like when it starts, you get like a little bit of like how the episode ended. So you get to see Mon walking out into traffic again or like, you know, trying to cross the street. <laughs> it wasn't really traffic. She was crossing the street and there is one car <laughs> and then um, Sam puts her arm out and pulls her back so she doesn't get hit by the car. And of course, she spins just so perfectly into her arms. Mons hands her at uh, Sam's chest and they're just like looking at each other in this. Well, I mean, Mon is looking at Sam in this like very intense way. And I kind of love the prolonged silence and just deep stare before they start talking again. I started calling them close proximity eye contact moments. <laughs> it brings me joy to think about it. That is such a long-winded phrase. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just as long as there's stairs. <laughs> I guess appropriate then, I guess. <laughs> Listen, don't, why, I don't know why you're trying to bring me down when I just told you this brings me joy. <laughs> I was gonna say, does bringing you down bring me joy? Ooh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> so they're staring at each other, and then Mon or then Sam says something, and she's like, "Did I give you that much work that you want to be hit by a car?" And having watched the entire series, I'm allowed or I'm able to go ahead and look at Sam's interactions and think about her motivations more. Because I think originally, I was just like, what an interesting comment to make <laughs> to someone. <laughs> and now that I know her a little bit better, I'm like, oh, she's like being sarcastic, but like, sh like showing concern, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I also, especially while um, preparing for today's podcast, I realize, recognize, I'm not sure that this kind of pattern of speech is also like maybe due to the way that the Thai language is set up because, um, and I'll talk about it a little bit later, like there are some points where I was unclear about the English translation and I turned it into Chinese mm -hmm. and things became much clearer. Oh. And yeah, so I, I'm starting to wonder if the translation is awkward because of the flow of the language. Yeah. Oh, I'll definitely like to hear more of that as it's relevant. All right. So, you know, after I think I think at this point they start standing normally and no longer in each other's arms. And um, Sam ends up telling Mon that, uh, you know, she had finished up her phone call, um, was getting ready to leave. And she saw Mon and the other coworkers talking. And Sam says to her, like, you seem to have defended me seriously. And I just thought it was. I don't know. I guess I kind of 
like that she got to witness someone defend her if she like overheard that conversation. I agree. Um, That's probably not something that she gets to witness all that often, especially in a workplace environment. You know, we talked about how Kunsan was already intrigued by Mon. And I think that this just furthers, like, piques her interest. Like, who is this person? Like, why does she seem like she knows enough about me to even want to defend me? Oh, yeah. She, like, so she asks her for a nickname first. And, you know, finds out that she can call her Mon. And I was curious about this with the with the translations because it says Mon, babe. And then Mon is like, did you just call me babe? Did you put this in Chinese at this point? I sh- I did. So actually, um, I vaguely remember that in the book, she calls her Bunny. Mm. And so when I saw the English translation on the show as Babe, I was curious. So I, yeah, I turned it into Chinese and it actually has translations notes or translator notes, which doesn't exist in the English um, yeah, translation. Okay. So what the note says is that um, the term Tuaeng is a second person pronoun that's used a little bit more casually especially towards somebody who's like younger or innocent like childlike Mm, and so it's not that she calls her babe it's more that kunsam's already using like a familiar pronoun with her yeah okay I'm so glad that you got that because I was like I don't believe that she said babe and I don't know what she said because I don't speak Thai. Uh, so that's helpful to know. Okay, cool. I like that. So now that she's got the nickname, she goes ahead and she asks Mon a little bit more about like, how do you know this shit about me? You know, like, how do you know that I like dogs? And Mon tries to play it off like, oh, you know, I must have read it in one of your interviews. And Sam's like, no, I said that I like cats in my interviews, which I kind of wonder if this was an intentional point to start already laying the groundwork for the fact that when Sam is in a situation that potentially could be vulnerable, that she says the opposite of what she means, which is something that we like learn about her later on. Yeah, I think so. And just the fact that she's so ready with that answer, like she knows that what she tells the interviewers is not what she actually feels or prefers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it totally makes me think about curating your image um, for public consumption. It's just, right. what are you comfortable with people knowing about you? All right. So then Sam asks Mon, like, do we know each other? And Mon, like, I think hesitates for a second, like, oh, shit, do I got to admit this? <laughs> uh, so I kind of read that as she's trying to decide if she wants to say it or if she wants, because I think that... um I think that Mon really wants Kunsam to remember her. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think that's the dream, right? Like she would show up and Kunsam would be like, oh, you're that kid that I met and you took care of my dog. Let's be best friends forever. Um, <laughs> Let's get best friend bracelets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think she's at this moment trying to decide, like, do I say something or do I hold out in hopes that Kunsam will remember me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then we get like a little bit of a flashback, and then Kunsam's just like, nah, we don't know each other. Um, and then she just goes ahead and she asks her, like, how are you going home? And Mon says, I'll take a taxi. And then Kunsam says, in that thin shirt. <laughs> oh my God. I don't. <laughs> 
I don't know if you noticed this, but the way that Kunsam looks at Mon's shirt and then looks at her, I died a little bit. <laughs> um, I did not register that um enough. I'm sorry. It's the way she like lifts her eyes up to Mon. Mm-hmm. It- <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. I really don't. You just have to watch it. Okay. Oh, no. I'm going to have to rewatch this scene again. Do you know when you're watching YouTube, you know, like when you rewind shit, like it gives you those little like charts to see like where people rewind the most? <laughs> I, I do know this because I, do, I I stop and go at the same place as everyone else. I'm, I'm basic and I don't yeah, care. I was going to say, who's predictable now? <laughs> so... Sam is like, no, follow me. And so they go to her uh, car, which is, do you know what kind of vehicle it is? I know it's a luxury vehicle. And it's like bright yellow. Uh, I want to say Ferrari, but I have no basis for that guess. That's literally, yeah, no, I have no freaking idea. I don't know anything about cars. I can't, sometimes I can't even find my car in a parking lot. Like, no, I got nothing about what kind of vehicle this is. All you need to know about Kunsam's car is that it's expensive, it's yellow, and its name is Miss Duan Pen. Yes, which apparently, according to the translator's notes, means full moon. And, okay, <laughs> in this scene, I like what we get, but I also just can't help but ask why Kunsam just didn't give her a fucking ride home. Because instead of offering the ride, she opens up her vehicle to pull out a jacket, which I have to say, does not look thick enough to be any warmer than Mon's thin shirt. It's an extra layer, okay? It's good enough. And I still, I'm confused about the concern over how thin the shirt is, right? Is it because Mon will get cold or is it because, like, she feels like it's not modest enough? Because why do you need a jacket to ride in a taxi? Yeah, in theory, the taxi should be a uh, moderate temperature. (laughs) Um, I hadn't considered that. Um, Let's just go with it's an excuse to get her by her car so that she can give her her jacket so that she can ask for her. Does she ask for it here, her line ID? You're jumping way ahead. We need to talk about... (laughs) We need to talk about this jacket maneuver that happens (laughs) oh yes 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 we will talk in detail about it but i'm just saying was that the real scheme here is she found a reason to give her her jacket to get her line id i mean i don't know maybe you know i really go back and forth on kunsam's motivations because my first watch i thought kunsam's a player and she's mm. kind of playing Mon. But the more I learn about her, I guess, the more I watch, I don't know if I would still attach that motivation to her. I think she just was like, you're a dumb kid who didn't bring a jacket. Let me give you a jacket. <laughs> That's so funny because the my first watch through, I thought it was more that where she's just like this stupid girl. Let me give her a jacket. I don't want to give her a ride. Um, But now that I've watched it through, I'm thinking that maybe there's a little bit more intentionality behind Kunsam's actions. That is so interesting. (laughs) 
Well, regardless, she does pull a really great move where she grabs a jacket and then she goes to wrap it around her and she holds it tight to her. And then again, they have the, now what do you call these looks? Close proximity eye contact moments. (laughs) We have another one of those. (laughs) And I really, I really enjoyed this moment. I'm pretty sure that I also got really fixated on the rings on Sam's fingers. And I was like, I want some more rings. They were so cute. Yeah, but you should have been focusing on where the hands are placed. They're like right at chest level. (laughs) Holding the jacket closed. I'm aware where the hands are. I'm appreciating the hands that are doing the the closing of the of the jacket, okay? Is she okay, but not okay. She does it with one hand first. Okay, no. We need to start from the beginning, okay? She throws the jacket over Mon. Like with her arm pulls Mon closer to her. Mhm. And then with the hand on the chest level holding the jacket closed. And that wasn't enough. That still wasn't enough. She she takes her other hand and brings it up and pulls it closer some more and i'm like what are you doing where did you learn this where did you learn this move it's the power and why didn't i know about it it just moves you when you're feeling that gay you just get this strength okay (laughs) skills present themselves (laughs) you're like this is the right thing to do right now yeah obviously if it wasn't the right thing to do it wouldn't have happened so easily (laughs) You know what? You're right. You're right. (laughs) So, um, I think, why does she say this? Does she, is she talking about her drinking? She says, like, can you even go to work tomorrow? So, Kunsam says, um, you, Timon, you reek of alcohol. Can you even go to work tomorrow? And you don't know your own limit. Mon ends up saying to Kunsam, you sound like a mother lecturing her child. Kunsam's like, are you calling me old? And Mon responds, no, I'm just saying you worry about my well-being like my mom does. And so I don't know how you felt about this encounter. Mm-hmm. But for me, I really felt like Kunsam's fussing after her, you know, like complaining about this and complaining about that. But what she's actually doing is, like Mon says, she's worries about her. Mm-hmm. And Mon is like eating it up. She loves it. She's got a big old smile <laughs> on her face. She's like, oh, Kunsam cares about me. She wants me to take care of myself. And, you know, she just wants to make sure I'm okay, whatever. Like, she's so happy. So I don't know that it hit me at this point, but it definitely hits me later on that the way that Kunsam shows care <sighs> is the way that my wife does. <laughs> Which, unfortunately for the Mexican in me, reads as nagging and getting mad at me and not as care. So I would not have been like, oh, you're like my mom. You're taking care of me and making sure I'm safe. I would have been like, why are you being so judgmental about what I'm wearing? If I'm cold, I'm cold. What? I would have been so irritated. And you know what? That's actually like why viewing something through a cultural lens is so important because Mm -hmm. it's the same scene that we're all watching, but we're taking different things from it, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I think that as we continue to watch, like, I'm going to feel a lot more because I've had to do a lot of learning about how much culture impacts the way my wife and I interact, which I hate. I like I don't know that I realized when we first started dating. And 
it's it's very very different um and because i think i've had obviously we share a lot but also i think we have been spending more time with her family than my family so i think i feel like i've been getting a lot more immersed in her culture than i think that we would have if we were living you know closer to my family so i'm definitely noticing things more and i am very much trying to learn to take a breath and say she loves you and she cares. She is not yelling and reprimanding you. She is caring. <laughs> you know what? Props to you for, you know, caring enough to not adapt, but just understand and see how you can fit in. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think that shows its care in its own way, too. Yeah, well, I mean, she's got she's got to learn how to put up with my shit because she is not used to the loud ass Mexicanness that I bring. So um, we're we're both working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. All right. So to get back to the actual episode, <laughs> to this really riveting, important note of mine, in all caps. <laughs> yeah, sit on that car while hiring the VIP taxi. <laughs> That's my note. That's my note. <laughs> she looks so good. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so my note for this section is uh only rich people get to get rides. But wait, wasn't Mon hiring a taxi anyways? Is it cuz the VIP yeah. taxi? Yeah, but did it come? It didn't come. She had oh. to call again. <laughs> oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. My bad. But Kunsam's like, "Hey VIP taxi, uh I'm at that restaurant by the airport. Come find me." <laughs> okay, she doesn't give an exact location. She's like, "I'm at that restaurant, that Japanese restaurant by the airport." Okay? <laughs> and it shows up real quick. You're right. And it shows up real quick because she's a rich person. <laughs> Oh, God, as if we don't already know that rich people get everything. Well, it works out for Mon. The cab arrives, and she's about to go to it, you know, thanks, Kunsam. But before she does, Kunsam says, I don't think she even, like, asks. She just, like, hands the phone. She's like, line ID. And um, I think Mon's a little bit taken aback, and she's like, to know that you got home safely. And I was thinking, is that an excuse to get her line ID or does she genuinely care about her um, getting there safely? I think it's probably a little bit of both. I think, you know, she does care that Mon gets home safe. But she also, we talked about last episode how Mon, uh, how Kunsam's intrigued by Mon and interested in her. So I think she also wants to get her line ID so they can open a line of communication. As soon as Mon hands Kunsam the phone back, she just walks to her car and leaves. She doesn't even say goodbye. She got what she needed. She doesn't need to. She didn't need to say shit. But it doesn't matter because Mon still got this huge smile on her face. She's like, Kunsam was so kind to me, and she took care of me, and she she likes me so much. Yeah, Mon is sitting in the backseat of that taxi, holding onto that little jacket, and it's just like. I have an article of clothing of my beloved. I mean, all she needs to do is fucking, like, sniff that fucking jacket. Like, just to be such a fucking, like, gay-ass bitch. She's like, this was the best fan meet ever, and I got a souvenir out of it. (laughs) Oh, and she still doesn't realize that she's fucking crushing. So then, 
we get to the family's house and nope is saying goodbye to the parents um and the captions in like the english caption said like goodbye mom and dad and i was like wondering if this is a translation thing if it's a cultural thing did you what did you see did you if you change it to chinese so i did change it to chinese and the chinese translations refer to them as aunt and uncle okay for me, I didn't find it too odd that he calls them mom and dad. I think when you're close friends with somebody and you're around their house all the time and your friend is calling them mom and dad, it just sort of is a natural thing to call them mom and dad too. I think it's just not that uncommon in Asian culture. Like you would always refer to them by their title, not by their name. Mm -hmm. So whether it's aunt or uncle or it's mom or dad, like... I feel like it gives kind of the same meaning. It, I think it just sort of highlights how familiar of a relationship Nope has with Mon and the family. Oh, yeah, definitely. They they seem to be very comfortable. And so he's saying goodbye. He is about to walk out when he sees that Mon has arrived. And I just kind of laugh because I guess kind of similar to Kunsam. He's like, it's late. You smell like alcohol. You work really far away from home. <laughs> yes, I I actually really appreciate the parallels that they made here because he's, I think, literally asking or commenting on the same things that Kunsam commented on, mm -hmm. but getting a very different reaction out of Mon. So she he comments on her smelling like alcohol. He comments on her jacket which I don't even know how he recognizes that that's not her jacket. That seems kind of <laughs> weird that he knows her wardrobe. I was going to say he knows her wardrobe. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, and he's like, your work is too far away. You should find something closer. And like everything that he brings up, Mons is looking at him like with such irritation. He's She's like, you're not my guardian. You don't need to be waiting around to pick me up all the time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, at some point, Nope calls Kunsam weird because he says that if it were me, I would just drive you home. Oh, I don't even remember him saying that. I just remember him talking about Kunsam and then Mon's reaction just being like, don't be jealous. <laughs> we're friends. Nothing more. I love how clear Mon is being with him because she always like cuts it off. She's always like, you don't get to react this way to me. We're not anything more than friends. Mm hmm. Yes. And um, yeah, so they're having this conversation and then you see Mon's parents come out and they're like, oh, come inside the mosquitoes, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then Nope's like, no, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. And so he leaves. But Mon goes ahead and comes in. So then the next scene has it so that Mon is like, I think, drying her hair with a towel. But I'm just like, your hair is dry as fuck. Are we supposed to think you took a shower? What the fuck is she doing? That You're is just supposed to, you know, take your glasses off and pretend <laughs> like she took a shower and washed her hair and now she's drying it. I just, I, I can't. I'm just like, you are just pressing a towel to some dry ass hair. Like, what the fuck are you doing? But <laughs> it's the anyway. same way that we're just going to ignore the amount of light coming in her window. Oh, yeah. For the there's... time of night it's supposed to be. Look, there's a massive street light outside. Fuck off. <laughs> Shining directly into Mon's bedroom. <laughs> so she has, like, a little bit of a flashback. And then she, like, remembers that she's supposed to text Sam. So she grabs her phone and she, you know, she does the thing where you type something out and then you delete it. Because it's just like, no. 
and she can't figure out what to say to her. I just thought it was funny. Like, Kunsam's supposed to be Mon's idol, right? Like, Mon's supposed to be thinking about her at all times. Like, how does she forget that she's supposed to text Kunsam? She just went to go take a shower because of the mosquitoes, and she had to dry her hair for a prolonged period of time. She's been very busy, okay? Yeah, it has been a night. <laughs> it's so late in the night, the sun is coming up. Of course, she forgot <laughs> to send her a fucking text. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sam is at a fucking restaurant, staring at her phone, willing a message to come through. Can we talk about why she's at a like she just came from the company dinner, right? And now she's at a restaurant to eat food again. She's at a restaurant to have wine. The food is just so you don't feel bad about the wine. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Is that not you? <laughs> no, I'll just drink my wine. I don't care. <laughs> so, yeah, you go ahead and tell us about um, this interaction with a friend group. So Kunsam is swirling her glass, looking at her cell phone, waiting for that text from Mon. And her friend Jim interrupts her. And um, Jim calls her honorary lady stupidity. Um, it's an endearing term. It's like a term of affection. And it's a play on words um, in Thai because of her title of Mom Long. I tried and failed to catch exactly what word they use in Thai but just know that like they're it's just a term of endearment oh that's um I meant to ask my friend who speaks Thai about this because I wondered if it was kind of similar to the way so like I feel like in Spanish or at least like for Mexicans that we will often call people nicknames that I guess like technically could be offensive so like I remember like I have a cousin who we call gordo which literally means like fatty so I wondered if the honorable stupid was just like an affectionate way to talk to someone you're familiar with. Yeah, I mean, it is. But I I do also think that it's some sort of pun. Like there's so many occasions where like I've, I watch a lot of interviews in Thai where like they make these sort of pun jokes because like the same sounding word can mean so many different things. Oh, Jesus Christ. This is like English is there, there, there and there, you know? Yeah, if that's a good example there. because no, that's a good example because like it's it's good to have sort of like an English thing that you can relate to when yeah, talking about different language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking about how languages are so <laughs> difficult to learn. <laughs> yeah, it's actually this is a fun fact, I guess, but uh Google Translate is very bad at translating Thai to English. Hmm. Um because there are so many nuances and slang terms that get created that Google Translate just cannot possibly catch up to. And it's related because Jim is complaining that she wants everybody to call her Martha. And none of her friends will listen. They, they want to call her Jim. They think Martha is dumb. And for me, <laughs> I have Google Translated enough to know that the name Jim translates to, in English, to a female body part that is not for polite society. I was going to say, are you not going to say it? <laughs> you say it. Translates to pussy, right? <laughs> yeah, it does. And so it just causes so much chaos every time. 
why the fuck did they give her that name in the first place? I don't know. I'm sure she would love to know also. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, something happens that prompts, I think, T to say to Sam that she says the opposite of what she means. Yeah, they ask her what's wrong, and I don't really remember what prompts them to ask, but Kunsam responds, nothing's wrong. And T and Jim are like, that means something's wrong. You always say the opposite of what you mean. Um, and then the next thing that I have happening is that Cade uh, arrives, the other friend who is an actor. Yeah, so she arrives in her costume, and she... She stops for a f- some fans to take a photo of her, and then she joins everybody. And she's like, "Oh, I had to run as soon as filming was done. Like, guess what? I'm playing." Mm-hmm. Which T and Jim make guesses, and uh, T I think guesses transvestite, and then Jim uh, guesses hooker, and I think Kate is supposed to take offense to this. And I know that I was not comfortable with this joke, and I'm guessing a lot of people weren't comfortable with this joke. Um, I know that you said that there's a little bit of a, there's a little bit more to know, I think, from the tie. Yeah, so the translation's not 100% correct. The term that T uses is katoi, um, which is a gender identity that exists in Thailand. Um, the English translation would more accurately be ladyboy. And I know that that doesn't sound great either, but that's just the term that is becoming prevalent. And it's just used to describe a male who dresses up in female clothing or enjoys like doing drag, something like that. And they're, they're com- it's common for them to be performers as well. Okay, interesting. All right. Um, I'd be interested to think a little bit more about, I mean, to know a little bit more about, I guess, like Thailand's um, view um, around these different identities. I don't particularly like the joke even with that explanation because it still feels like the butt of the joke is that she looks like a man dressing like a woman and you know that just it's it's very messy especially I think about like right now with the United States and like all of the anti-trans shit that's happening so um I guess just an acknowledgement that this joke exists in there and it may make people uncomfortable yeah that's definitely valid um as long as we all understand that it is actually like like people exist who live this lifestyle and they're not ashamed to be called this term katoi okay i see what i see what you're saying it's just like also because because the word transvestite i think is a very outdated term uh in the united states in the english and has a lot of very negative connotations and so i think that's why it pulled up a lot of like discomfort for me in reading that and so maybe i don't like the joke but maybe it would feel less less um abrasive um if it were in the language that i understood or if um if the translation was more accurate to the phrase in thai yeah right okay all right so you know then sam kind of gets to the point of why she wanted to meet with them which is she wanted to talk to them about the fact that 
she met with grandmother and grandmother is really just trying to get her to um, marry Kirk. And she wants to she wants to have her business succeed. So she's laying it out there for her friends. I really got the sense that these friends know her really well, have been by her side for a while. And they, you know, just the fact that they all showed up on such short notice because Kunsam called them and wanted to talk about something, they like took it seriously and came. And as soon as Kunsam said that she's stressed about grandmother, you know, they essentially knew what the problem was. They knew grandmother and knew what she expected of Kunsam and the pressure that she puts on her. Yeah. And I like that you point out like the the degree of their friendship um, and their coming and being here because when we first see them, like when Jim stops some from playing with her wine glass and I see them sitting there, my thoughts were that we were going to see that she has a stereotypical, rich, bougie kind of friend group that prioritizes, you know, money and um, status and all of these things that I kind of abhor. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to hate this friend group. But then very quickly, I was like, oh, my God, no, I'm going to love this friend group. And um, which is kind of funny for me to say, because my next thing, though, is while I love them, I think that they could take with like, I don't know, taking a breath and thinking about what they're going to say before they say it, because one of them, I don't know who, in an attempt, I think, to support Sam, says, like, you're going to end up like Nung. So it was Cade who brings up the um, past with Kung Nung. Um, she says, like, if you, if you don't, you know, adhere to what grandmother says, like, you might end up, like, things could end up as bad as it did for Kung Nung. So we get a flashback to what happened with uh, Kunyong, and it's um, grandmother burning her art, and Nung is being held back by her sisters and I think like probably staff as she watches, I'm assuming her creations get burnt. And I was like, can you imagine putting all of this love and energy and passion into creating something and for someone to so quickly and easily take that from you and you can never get that my heart fucking breaks as she watches her shit get burnt yeah it's definitely tough to watch because you can see how much it really pains kung nung for me the scene is tough to watch because i try my best to sort of understand all perspectives and so i'm trying my best to understand when where grandmother is coming from it is so difficult for me you know i think for her she had sort of this life planned out for her first grandchild, like the most important, let's face it, the most important grandchild, the first one. <laughs> I'm like, sorry. That's hesitated, And then you're like, nah, it's the truth. Let's just say it. <laughs> it, is, it is what it is. Birth order matters. I'm sorry. <laughs> but she had all these big dreams and goals for her. And to find out I'm a, I'm, confident that Kunung secretly explored her creative side and secretly created all these artworks and at some point got discovered and she revealed to grandmother that she doesn't want whatever plan grandmother had in place for her she wanted to become an artist and that was unacceptable to grandmother like she 
had much better plans because you can see it in the way that grandmother says like you don't have my permission to become a starving artist like how much more do you have to embarrass me like this the idea that she would cre explore her creative side was an embarrassment for grandmother well i think it's twofold and i think especially like now that i've watched it all again i'm looking at grandmother with maybe a little bit more of a sympathetic lens and saying that yes there is this embarrassment of how dare you choose something that is not prolific, um, you know, something that can be um, respected in this in this way that I think she's accustomed to. But she also says you won't become a starving artist. And so I think that underneath it all, there is this concern. And I think this is a common concern that parents and family members can have for loved ones when they choose to pursue a field that is not a safe one. Um, you know, art. Are you going to be successful? Um, what's that going to look like? And a lot of times I think that family members want people to choose something that's more secure, like business. No, I do agree that you can objectively see the underlying valid concerns that grandmother has for mm -hmm. Kunung. I just don't agree with her execution. Again, like <laughs> she did not need to react not. this way. <laughs> you know, like what... <laughs> I'd be concerned How if you did agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go, Grandma. Burn the art. <laughs> That's how you get them to listen is ruin all their yeah. hopes and dreams. <laughs> you break them like you break a horse. So Grandma burns that shit. And Nung ends up saying, like, if this is, like, the cost of being your granddaughter, then I don't want it. I quit. And Grandmother says, leave then. And Nung goes to go back in the house. And as the sisters attempt to follow her, grandmother is like, no. And they listen. They don't follow after her. I'm so curious about what your thoughts are on these statements. Because, I mean, for me, I can see the underlying concern and care that grandmother has for Kun Nung. Mm -hmm. But I can't really reconcile that care and love with how easily she throws her granddaughter away, essentially. I don't think that she thought she'd do it. I think that when we're heated, we say shit and we don't mean it. And I think that if anything, especially if you think about like families that are more accustomed to being punitive, and I would definitely say my family is, is, is leans in that way, is that you kind of deal in threats. It's, you know, okay, you don't want to be my granddaughter because it's so hard. Leave then. And really, it's this challenge of, are you going to leave the safety of my home and my money and all that it's granted you? I don't think so. You make the threat because you don't think someone's going to follow through. Okay, but then if someone follows through, wouldn't you then be like, wait a minute, wait. I think that there are a lot of ways that you can justify it or kind of like work through it. Like I can imagine grandmother saying it and being like, she's not going to leave. And then when she does saying she'll be back soon. And then when she's never back, it's that little piece of shit. How could she fucking do that? Yeah, I can see that being true. But for me, what was really hard for me to hear was Kunung saying like paintings, my source of happiness. Mm hmm. Like, it's it's the one thing that brings me joy. And for grandmother to essentially stomp all over it, you know, like, I am not surprised that Kunung left and didn't look back. 
that she thought it wasn't worth the sacrifice to be her granddaughter when it sounds to Kunung like grandmother doesn't give a shit about what makes her happy. I think that's like a generational thing. I think that happiness, getting to pursue happiness is a luxury. And it's a luxury that our older generations didn't have. I mean, I don't think that my mother had the choice or the ability to pursue happiness. My mother pursued living and life and responsibility and care. And I mean, fortunately, what that bred in my mother is a a strong desire for me to have all that makes me happy. But I think that it's very realistic for someone to be focused on the realities of life and then to want for their children to be safe and secure. And while they may be pursuing things that bring them personal happiness and joy and fulfillment, the realist in that older generation is going to say, but I need you to be fed. I need you to be housed. I need you to be safe. And happiness is a luxury we cannot afford. I do get that because I have had that experience in my family as well. But like you said about what your mother took from that experience, I wish that she could have taken that and wanted more for her grandchildren mm-hmm. than just surviving. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and this is like, I mean, like I'm already getting emotional because I know where we end up going. And so I do. Grandmother frustrates me a lot, but I have I have a lot of sympathy for grandmother because of the own complexities of my mother's experience. I adore my mother intensely, but by no means is that woman perfect. So I do have a lot of sympathy for grandmother as we uh, proceed with this. Um, so kind of moving us forward, uh, we're watching the flames of the art and then it transitions to the fire of the stake, which I thought was oh. a cute little creative. I love this transition. Love it. Chef's kiss for that transition. Because as we follow the stake to the table, Kunsam's staring at that stake, thinking about her sister. Mm-hmm. I mean, she doesn't stop staring at it until something one of her friends says kind of like knocks her out of her thoughts. So as she's finally ready to like cut into the steak, I think it was Jim who says that even though Kun Nung's story was tragic, it's nothing compared to what happened with Kun Song, the second granddaughter. And so the straight way that Kun Song was going to cut the steak Mm-hmm. It's because it's another transition into cutting of the birthday cake for Kung Song on her 25th birthday. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm sorry, I started laughing because my note is happy birthday, here's a fiance. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> that's essentially what happens is there. <laughs> I want to cut in just a tiny little moment of happiness before we just dive into trauma again. <laughs> Kunsam is so cute sitting there, like eating her cake, having a good time, like her sister's birthday. She's like so precious, mm. so baby. Uh, but of course, that celebration doesn't last long because they they all sit down to sort of eat the cake. And grandmother is like, Kunsong, like, I'm happy to celebrate with you. And I got you a present. And she pulls <laughs> out this, <laughs> she pulls out this envelope and Inside is a picture of a man. Mm-hmm. And Kun Song <laughs> is like, what is this? The and gift that every lesbian wants. <laughs> I 
grandmother is like, this is my friend's nephew. I want you to meet him tomorrow. It's best if you marry somebody I choose. <laughs> yeah. And obviously Song is like, what the fuck? Because she is starting to try to announce to grandmother that, surprise, I'm already in a relationship. And Sam is watching this happen, and it looks as if though I mean, she's like, I don't think she's actively mouthing something, but it's very evident on her face that she seems to be aware of this relationship and is like, no, don't do this. <laughs> Are you really doing yeah, this? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> For sure. She's like, this is not the right time, sis. What are you doing? I'm trying to enjoy my cake. Can we wait until tomorrow morning? <laughs> but of course, Kun Song goes ahead and says it. Like, I'm already in love with somebody. And grandmother is immediately heated. Like, she's like, who is this person? Does he come from a good family? How's his profile? How's he better than who I chose for you? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then Song decides to just, just was like, all right. We're ripping the band-aid off. We're just going full force here. By the way, it's a woman. And grandmother is like, what the fuck? You're gay? Stop it. <laughs> oh, she has a real strong reaction to it. And you know what? It's hard to hear, but I'm sure that a lot of us can mm. relate to that kind of reaction. Yeah. Oh, well, and then, like, if this still isn't enough, Song keeps going and is like, this is why Nung left. And grandmother just goes slap right across her face. Sam is like fucking frozen and can't believe what's happening. And, you know, Song like runs off. And again, grandmother stops her. My note here is that Kung Song is so gay that she can't even run straight because she knocks <laughs> over the waiter. Uh, the the attendant, I don't know. And then she knocks over the table where her birthday cake is. And everything is just clattering. <laughs> she just got slapped, okay? She fucking can't walk right. I mean, gay too, but like, the slap. <laughs> yeah, for me, the scene is tough, but not as tough as Kung Nung. I think because it is so relatable to the the queer girls and all of us that mm -hmm. I'm sure that none of us have had 100% success rate in coming out to somebody. It's it's just always sad to kind of see that replayed on TV, I think. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. And I, I think what hurts me the most is the way that grandmother keeps the sisters from, like, caring for each other. I want to talk about grandmother. I just so badly wish that she had learned her lesson from what happened with Kung Nung. Mm. Because she essentially does the exact same thing to Kung Song, right? Like yeah. she carved a path out for her. She's like, okay, well, I've got to rely on my second grandchild now. This is my plan for her. And when that doesn't work out, she is immediately like, well, then leave. or get." I mean, I, I actually don't even know if she says leave or Kung Song just decides to leave because of the negative reaction from her coming out. But she doesn't allow Kun Sam to follow her and she doesn't mm -hmm. stop Kun Song from leaving either. And I wondered what your perspective is on that sort of like repeating the same pattern. I think that people make a lot of the same mistakes before they realize that they're the problem. I mean, she's going to run out of granddaughters soon. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, no, no, absolutely. But 
I'm not surprised in all honesty. I think that she had that experience with Nung and she didn't expect it. And there must, I'm imagining there's a lot of anger for grandmother. She's angry that Nung left, that she stayed away. Why couldn't she be good? Why when she was trying to take care of her? Like, I think there's a lot of anger. And so when Song does that, I'm assuming it pulls up a lot of grandmother's own feelings. And that anger is so intense. And so... I think it's realistic that she would repeat the mistakes with Song because of the anger and this idea of, you know, holding tighter, you know, like, oh, I mean, we don't even know. Does grandmother feel as if, though, she didn't hold tight enough to Nung and that's why she even started secretly doing painting and secretly doing these other things and that's how she went wayward. And so, you know, now she sees Song and she's like, I need to have a tight grip on it. I think that it I think that it takes time to realize where your errors lie and um I think that's why we see how things play out later. Yeah, for me um I largely dealt with my family by ignoring it. <laughs> so I don't I cannot really relate to a lot of stuff that's happening with Kunsam's family because for me I just didn't talk about it. And then at some point, I didn't need to talk about it anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yes. Hmm. Oh, gosh. So now we are in, back in reality with the uh, transition with the clattering cake to the clattering plates. And um, they're just talking about how to get Kunsam what she wants, which is for her company to be successful, for her not to have to marry Kirk. And... um I think they say, you know, there's um, only one way to do it is you have to be successful. Yeah, they, the friends offer different advice, different options, but they know, everybody knows that Kunsam doesn't actually want to give in and marry Kirk and be a mother and wife, you know, so I think in a way they're sort of saying it out loud so that Kunsam would say no to those options and realize or accept or acknowledge that what she needs to do is just focus on saving the company. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they do talk about um, how that needs to be the focus. And then Jim kind of makes a joke where she's like, well, alternatively, you know, we could curse grandmother and uh, tries to curse grandmother to, um, she's trying to curse her to die. I feel like she tries to curse her to die. <laughs> Yeah, she she does. And then Cade is kind of like, don't you know that the more you curse somebody, the longer life they live? And so Jim changes tactics and curses her to a long, long life instead. Yes. You know, in hopes of getting the opposite <laughs> re uh, response. Um, but then I think they call her out for not drinking wine with them. And we find out that she's pregnant. Oh, also, I was super fucking bummed to find out that she's okay. I, they mentioned the husband earlier in the conversation, and I was just like, oh, she's not gay? I had to really come to grips with the fact that she was not queer. <laughs> so um, they're talking about, like, um, her being pregnant, and then Kunsam goes back to looking at her phone, um, waiting for a message that still has not come through. And my next note is, name is Mons my idol. Does she open up her app already to look at it? 
so the dinner ends and they say bye to each other. And I thought this little detail was so cute because they're saying bye to each other. Everybody's hugging Jim, congratulating her again. And Kunsam pats Jim's belly a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, hi, baby. Oh, hey, so baby. cute. <laughs> so precious. <laughs> but yeah, it's at this point she checks her phone one last time. And we do see that on her phone, she's saved Mon's contact as Mon's my idol. Okay, because I was trying to process that. I was like, this is Kunsam's phone. The contact name is Mon's My Idol. Is she, is she like already identifying her as like someone she adores? I think when you really think about it, it makes sense, right? Mon caught her attention because she was so outspoken. Mm-hmm. She was so like standing up for what she finds is wrong or uncomfortable or whatever she kunsam hurt her defending kunsam in front of the co-workers and i think that there's a lot of things that intrigue kunsam about mon and i think that the interactions that have happened so far like i'm not surprised that kunsam admires her because kunsam doesn't behave in that way it's the total opposite of how she would behave Mm. Yeah, that's true. It definitely took me aback to see that that was her name for her. Um, But I like what you're saying. And so there's no message from Mon. We go ahead and we get back to Mon, who is looking at images of some. And I think her voiceover is saying that, like, you know, like, things are good with Sam, but then she feels afraid. And, like, she found out she was in gauge but there is nothing in the media yeah she's like why do i feel like the gap between kunsama and i grow bigger the closer we are mm-hmm. and i thought it was hilarious she's just like looking at each picture of kunsama and throwing it on the bed like <laughs> it's like oh what do i do with these thoughts and feelings <laughs> oh she's so emotional and she's yeah. like She's, like, trying to figure out, she's like, how did I not know she was engaged? There's nothing in, like, the news. And she's, like, also then she's like, Kunsam doesn't remember me. Like, she's just going through all of the feelings right now. Yeah. I I feel like she's, a, like, mostly mad that she didn't know that Kunsam was engaged. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of it is that Kunsam didn't remember her. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> when this was so meaningful to her. Yeah. Then Mon's phone pings, and she has some messages from Sam. Um, they're <laughs> a shit ton of like pissed off stickers. It's brown with the fire behind him, just like raw. Yeah, like like repeatedly, probably <laughs> like twenty, thirty stickers of <laughs> brown. One of the line friends, just angry. Yes. <laughs> And honestly, I was so surprised that Kunzam sent that because she doesn't even send like the one. Like she doesn't, you know, like she's just like, I am angry and you will know it. You will feel the strength of my anger. <laughs> I'm telling you, Kunzam secretly is just so adorable. <laughs> and then like Mon, Mon like grabs her phone and she's like, oh, oops. It looks like Kunzam's mad. How do I fix this? <laughs> I was just like, is she mad? Yes, bro. Yes. <laughs> oh, and so she's just like, 
I'm sorry. It was late. I didn't want to bother you. You know, like, I got home safe. And this was the point. You made me point this out earlier, but this, in this moment, this was the point where I was like, oh my God, Kunsan makes me think of my wife. Because every morning, my wife will ask me to tell her that I got to my destination safely. And, and let me I, guess, you don't do it. I mean, I I think I've probably gone from 0% to 10%. That's growth. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I'll get it to 15% in the next five years. So yeah, so this was this was a point where I was just like, oh my God. Um, and then when that message comes through, Sam is reading it. And did you notice there's like a little twitch of her lip? It, like... Like almost a smile. Yeah, I did notice. Um, so at first she wants to respond, "Who's worried?" Which is, I feel like it's pretty flirty mm -hmm. in Asian standards. I guess I don't know. <laughs> you know, like who's worried about you? Not me, haha. -ha. When both parties know that obviously she was worried about her, but she erases that message and sends. Um, it's late have some manners <laughs> I mean it's still I still feel like it's pretty flirty and cute um, but yeah like Kunsam definitely had this like little smirk on her face like she thinks she's being funny yeah she thinks she's being clever <laughs> yeah I like I realized as I was rewatching this and I was like oh my god she's flirting <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Like, <laughs> I think I also missed it the first time around. Yes. But like, it's very clear. I think um, the theme of my rewatch of EP2 is that Kunsam, for a person who doesn't express her emotions, we as the viewers actually get a real clear picture of who she is and what her motivations are. And I don't think I realized that when I watched it at first. Well, no, because I think that it took us getting to know her to be able to read her. This is one of the things that I really enjoy about television is that um, sometimes when we're watching people, we can question whether or not things are done well because we don't know how to take it, but that's exactly what it's meant to be is in the first watch is we're very much in Mon's perspective and Mon herself in this scene is like feeling confused. She's like, I don't understand what's happening. Um, and that's how I felt. But then as Mon gets to know her through the series, I get to know her through the series. And in rewatching it, I now understand her and realize she was flirting, which I did not get at first. I think that's such a great perspective. Like, that's true, because we're, we're, we came into the story from Mon's perspective. Mm -hmm. We're going through the episodes like just as confused as mon is about who kunsam is and it's not really until we learn more about her that we we can come back and look at these scenes and really see like the range that she had mm -hmm. yeah it's um it's one of the things that like i try to give like a show 
the the entirety of the of the season to really understand it because like I don't know how many times like things will work me up and like um the writers or directors or showrunners or whatever will be like no we know what we're doing like just keep watching um because people aren't simple you know like we're complex so I think that it's just good to be able to watch it in its entirety to like really understand the depth of it so Mon sees the message that Kunsam sends and she's like, what the hell is this? Like, you complained that I didn't text you. And then when I text you, you're like, why are you texting me? So Mon gets frustrated and she decides to change her con- change Kunsam's contact in her phone from my idol to my boss because she's mad at her. Oh, my God. I, I didn't that was even hilarious. notice that. <laughs> oh that is hilarious that's so great these two people right so ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) oh god so now we're starting off with part two and mon goes into work and she goes to sit at her desk and chin is showing off this drunk video of noi to ya then they go over to talk to mon about her taking over the diversity pop and then the phone rings i thought this was interesting and then the phone rings um, on Yaw's line, and it's Sam asking for Mon to be sent over. But, like, she didn't just call Mon herself to be like, come to my office. Yeah, she does this a lot. She'll always call Ya, And I'm not sure why she does it. I, at this point, I would say it's because Ya's supposed to be, like, Mon's mentor slash supervisor. And so... Kunsama is potentially just kind of going down the chain of command. Okay. I mean, I think that that is a um, legitimate rationale. I wonder if it's because Sam is feeling things for Mon and it feels safer to go to this person than to reach out to her directly. That's a valid perspective to have as well. Yeah. So Mon is directed to go to uh, Kunsama's office and essentially, we get to see that throughout the day, Mon is presenting ideas and keeps being, you know, sent off to wow her more. Um, Like all day. So we see the clock turn from like 1030 to almost two o'clock. And at some point, Mon has enough. <laughs> she is like, what do you actually want? Can you give me some actual guidance instead of just, I don't like this or do better? Yeah. And I and I appreciate her doing that because I think that people can struggle in the professional fields to um, ask for clarification. And I think that it's really important to be able to do so because how will you move forward if you don't know what you need? So I liked it. Um, but Kunsam's response is something about like, kids being impatient and she's like just try harder and we have a little bit of a flashback to grandmother we're just being reminded that that pressure is at the back of her mind as she's rejecting mon's ideas she's she wants the best idea to get the best impact mm-hmm. oh man i i feel for kunsam i wish she could like take a moment and just be like if you would more thoroughly explain to Mon what she needs, she could help you work towards your goal. But, like, she's so stressed out, you know, about about what she is working for that it impedes her ability to be the most effective boss that she can be. 
So when Mon leaves the office for probably like the umpteenth time, <laughs> everyone in the office is like waiting for her and they're just nosy as fuck. No one is even working at this office, right? Only one monitor is even on. <laughs> I didn't notice that. But they're just always busy gossiping, man. I have to say, I do not like Cheen's jokes. Yeah, I don't like his sense of humor. So he says to Mon, like, I have something that'll be approved immediately. Your resignation letter. Ha ha ha. And I like don't love it. And but Mon says she's not quitting. Um, She's she, yeah, she's not going to quit that easily. Yeah, she promised her mom she would stay and fight. And I think that there's some part of her that still believes that like there's good in Kunsam that and she saw it the other night and she's not willing to give up on that just yet. Yeah. So um Mon stays all night working on her ideas, um, trying to find something that's going to satisfy Kunsam. And when she finally realizes that she should probably go home, she realizes that I guess like there must be light that's coming out of Kunsam's office, or maybe there's like a noise. I can't remember what alerts her to the fact that Kunsam is still there, but she realizes it. And then we get to see inside the office and Kunsam is collapsing from a headache, I guess. Yeah, she tries to stand up, but I think maybe the headache's too strong or she feels weak. So she she falls on the ground again and she tries to ask for help. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's when Mon comes in and she rushes to Kunsam to be like, are you okay? What's going on? Yeah, and so Sam is saying that she needs medicine, you know, like to call Kirk or, you know, reach out to Kirk. And Mon does, in fact, call him. I just don't understand why she doesn't have these painkillers at the ready. Maybe she ran out faster than she expected to, okay? Sometimes it's hard to get your ass to the pharmacy, all right? <laughs> mm, all right. So Mon calls Kirk as directed, and we get to see that Kirk is having a meeting with someone who knows about diversity pop. Yeah, it becomes clear that she he's talking to somebody from a I don't know if rivals the appropriate term but like another company that does similar stuff mm -hmm. as diversity um and this person's name is Nita and I just want to point out that Nita also has these long ass candles in her office and I just don't know why everyone's <laughs> walking around their offices creating fire hazards okay I'm very concerned about it <laughs> I did not notice the candles, but I immediately got gay vibes from her. Did you? Yes. Okay. So now that you're pointing out the candles, I'm like, they're just really leaning into the stereotype about gays and candles. Okay. But yeah, Nita's giving gay vibes and she's talking to Kirk about diversity and um, Kirk starts talking about how I think he like also wanted to go into party planning, but it's not something that Sam wants. And Nita's like, I want both of you on this shit. Yeah, they're discussing how to expand the business, essentially. But Nita picks up on the fact that whatever Kirk's ideas are, they're not ones that Kunsam approved or would approve. Mm -hmm. And so she makes it clear, like, I look forward to having a meal with the both of you. And what she's essentially saying is, like, I'm not going to go behind Kunsam's back. Like, mm -hmm. we're if we're going to come into business together, it's going to be 
together. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then his phone starts to ring again, apparently for the eighth fucking time. And Nita's like, it seems important. Do you want to take that? And I was like, if my wife called me two times, I'd be like, it's clearly an emergency. Excuse me. Bye. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what was going through Kirk's mind at that point, because especially for somebody like Kunsam, if she's calling you repeatedly, she must really need something. I don't know. I could see her being a brat and just being like, like you didn't answer me. He was like calling like 10 times and being like, I need you to order me some fish. Like, you know, like, I don't know. <laughs> just something stupid that she's like, my needs are most important. Pay attention to me. <laughs> so maybe I shouldn't judge him, but also like eight calls is a lot in a row. So then we see when Kurt goes out to take the call that Nita is looking at her computer and she says, I'll see you soon. And there's an image of Kunsam on her computer. But what I was really thrown by was the fact that she was wearing the outfit from like last episode. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so so the outfit from a day ago. Mm-hmm. And she's at the office. So somebody took a secret photo of her during their seven hour brainstorm session. <laughs> and then sent it to Nita? Like, I, where did she get this photo? I know. I'm like, is this like an oversight? Or like, is it like, I don't know. I don't know either. But I just want to point out that Nita stares at this photo and says, like, I'll see you soon, beautiful Kun oh, Sam, Anun- right. Sam Anun. And I, so <laughs> I'm like, do you also want to indirect kiss your screen? Is she your <laughs> idol? What's what? <laughs> she's not her idol she's her peer and she wants to have corporate domination with her holding hands (laughs) i have two questions okay is every woman in thailand gay or just gay for kunsam um oh go ahead go ahead i was gonna say every woman should be gay and every woman should in fact be gay for kunsam around the world (laughs) that that's what it should be and my second question is if if Mon and Nita were in a fight to win Kunsam's heart, who would win? Okay. Well, there wouldn't need to be a fight because Kunsam's heart belongs to Mon. But if I'm if we're talking about who's gonna get scrappy, like I don't know. Mon does not look strong, but apparently Becky fucking boxes and shit. So maybe she's scrappy and she's got it. Well, we're talking about Mon the character. We can't... Okay, so if we're talking about Mon the character with none of Becky's actual attributes, I think that girl goes down. She does not seem physically strong. She'd be like, can't we just be friends? And Nita would be like, no. And she'd punch her and knock her out. <laughs> Mon would just cry and then Nita would just shove her out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mon, I love you. I love you in your sensitive little heart. <laughs> So then Kirk goes ahead and takes the phone call and uh, finds out that it's Mon who's calling because Kunsam's not feeling well and she needs like painkillers. And so he tells her like to go to this pharmacy, but he says to go to this specific pharmacy, not another one. And I have no idea. Well, I guess you can only fill a prescription at a specific pharmacy if it's a prescription. I don't really know. I don't think we need to think too <laughs> yeah, much about like, it. Too much Maybe about they it. just they just have a preferred pharmacy and it's okay. My the next thing is Mon's a fucking mess because this bitch trips on her fucking way. Oh my god, this is so. 
we see Mon running around on the phone with Kirk. Like, Kirk's giving her directions, like, you turn left here. And Mon is on the sidewalk and she trips over nothing. Okay, <laughs> literally nothing. The sidewalk is clear. And she's like, oh no, I've fallen. <laughs> I honestly wondered if like Becky just tripped and like they decided to keep it in because I really was just like, what the fuck are you tripping on? But she's tripping over her worry for Kunsam. Well, she gets the fucking meds apparently because then she's back at the office and she's all gentle, giving her her medication. It's so sweet. She's so gentle and soft with her. She's like, let me, let me get you water like she the way she holds the glass and even tips it over to make sure that kunsam mm-hmm. can drink it without having to hold it up so much like everything was just so such caretaking so sam takes her meds and then like leans over and puts her head on mon's lap ready to go the fuck to sleep and mon like just starts stroking her hair yeah, which I was like, nobody told you to pet her hair. What are you doing? Are you telling me that a pretty girl who you got a crush on puts her head in your lap and you're not going to fucking touch her hair? No, I'm not telling you that. Of course I would fucking touch her <laughs> hair, but Mon doesn't know she has a crush on her. It doesn't matter. Again, the gay compels you. It moves you in the right direction. You don't need to understand it. You just accept it. So did the gay also propel or compel Mon to like bend down? Yes. And I don't need, what, was she trying to sniff her hair? Was she trying to kiss her? Like, I don't know what the fuck the goal was. There was no goal. It was simply this magneticism of like, my beloved in my lap as I pet your hair because you don't feel well. I want to get closer to you. And very soon her lips would have touched her head and given her a little kiss. But fucking Kirk had a call to ask how she's doing as if though he cares about her. (laughs) So he, what was it? Like, Mont answers the phone and gives him an update, right? And then Sam's like, why did you answer the phone call? Yeah. She's like, I was sleeping. What what the fuck? Yeah. And Mont's like, Kirk called. He wants to know if you need a ride home. And... Kunsam does not want to ride home from Kirk. He's like, Kunsam's like, can you drive me home? Yeah. And Mon's like, I don't know how to drive. <laughs> yeah. Kunsam's like, ugh, you're useless. <laughs> yeah. And and also, at some point in this conversation, Kunsam complains that Mon is being too casual with her because Mon's calling her Kunsam instead of Mon Boss. I don't know. I think Kunsam's doesn't feel well. She's being cranky, so she's just throwing whatever out there. But in any case, um, they finally decide to get a taxi. Um, and Mon's like, "Well, then I'll come. Ho- I'll, I'll accompany you. Like, I want to be useful." Kind of throwing back, like when Kunsam called her useless. Wait, do you think that she threw it back like in a sassy way, or she threw it back as in like a genuinely, I want to be useful because you called me useless. Oh, no, 100% genuinely. Mon doesn't have a sarcastic bone in her body. She's like, Kunsam called me useless. How do I correct that? I'll be useful. How can I be useful? I'll come home with her. I, like, I cannot. Like, I do not understand Mon because she is, like, 
so fucking sweet because I'd have been like, all right, bitch, figure your own ride home. Like, I don't got to do that for you. Like, <laughs> so Mon does, in fact, get the taxi ride for them and they go into the vehicle together. And now Kunsam is leaning on Mon's shoulder, falling asleep. And um, I was curious because when I was watching it, I thought that Mon would for sure really enjoy this taxi ride. But I think she's too worried about Kunsam's health to appreciate the fact that, like, you know, Kunsam fell asleep on her shoulder and it's adorable and whatever. When Mon helps Kunsam out to, like, go to her home, she's, like, taken aback because she expected her to be at the palace. Um, and not this yeah, home. Which, there's so many occasions where I'm like, Mon, I thought you were Kunsam's number one fan. <laughs> Why don't you have these very basic <laughs> factoids about her? What do you know about her? Do you just, do you just clip out the photos and don't read any of the actual interviews? Right. <laughs> and you're like, oh, she looks so pretty here. What are these words? I don't care. <laughs> so, Yeah. <laughs> Mon gets over the fact that this is the home she finds out or comes to realize she does not, in fact, live at the palace. And Sam is like, I'm fine. Like, I'm going to go inside. But, like, let me know when you get home. You know, don't don't be like last time and stop being formal, Um, I guess, with regards to how she refers to her. Oh, my God. Where, like, moments ago she was <laughs> telling Mon that she was being too casual. Now she's like, you're being too formal. She's just being a cranky little hoe. <laughs> when your head hurts, things are tough, okay? <laughs> so then we have Mon at her home, and she texts Sam that she has arrived. And Sam's response, oh my god. <laughs> I mean, really what she wants to say is, I want to talk. But instead she says, why are you texting me? Like... My eyes hurt. I don't want to read. So then Mon calls her. And then she's like, why are you calling me? My head hurts. <laughs> I mean, this is what I'm talking about. Like, Kunsam is cranky. She doesn't feel well. She wants attention, right? She just wants... I don't... <laughs> I can really relate to this because when I get sick, I also become insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, I want you... <laughs> I want you to pay attention to me. But I want you to pay attention to me in the way that I want you to. And if you don't do it, I'm going to be such a brat about it. <laughs> well, so my note is, so like, uh, after she says like, oh, why did you call? My head hurts. And then Mon is like, oh, I'll hang up. And Sam says, so when Sam says, no, ask me about how I feel, you know, where she's just like, don't you care about how I feel? My next note is, in all caps, wife. <laughs> I can totally imagine that because I, like Mon, would be like, all right, okay, bye. Sorry to bother you. But really, as you stated, it's you have to you have to respond in the very specific right way because they don't want to be left alone. They want to be responded to properly. What properly is, no one fucking knows. So Mon does what I would do. Which is to go silent and start to cry. <laughs> and Kunsam reacts how I would react, which is, I'm the one who's sick. Why are you crying? <laughs> oh, 
my god. No, I for real relate to Mon so hard because she's like, she's like, I always do everything wrong. I do this and it's wrong. I do that and it's wrong. What, like, what do you want from me? Like, I'm just like, Mon, I've never related to you more. Um, And then, like, I don't remember what exactly Mon says, but I remember Sam's response was, Oh, so you took care of me to get your work approved. Yeah, what Mon says is, um, you started to say it. It was, whatever I ask is wrong. Whatever I say is wrong. If I text you, if I call you, like, that, it's never the right action. And then she ends it by saying, like, and my work hasn't been approved and that's wrong too. Mm. And so Kunsam is just latching on to that last part. Kunsam gets to say, oh, you have sort of hidden agenda mm-hmm. for why you brought me home. And she's not saying that necessarily because she believes it. Kunsam wants to hear from Mon that that's not true. Like, I brought you home because I worried about you and I, I want to make sure you're okay. But Kunsam can't say that. Mm-hmm. So she has to just like pick a fight with her. Oh my God, you are so right. It's exactly what it is. And see, even after all these years, I still struggle to understand the Kunsam of my life. Um. <laughs> I don't know what's so hard to understand. It's very clear. <laughs> just pay attention. So Mon is just like, no, I didn't do it to get my work approved. But is this how you treat someone who's like worried about you? And oh, I felt so bad for Mon because she's just... She's so sad. She's crying. Like, yeah, it's not fun. <laughs> and then, and then, some hangs up on her. <laughs> no, she says sweet dreams, and then she hangs up on her. <laughs> she she picks and she picks. She's like, what? Are you, being a little brat, but then she realizes that Mon's crying and that she really hurt her feelings. She's like, oh fuck, <laughs> I don't how what how do we get here i don't know what to do goodbye (laughs) and you know at least she says sweet dreams before she hangs up (laughs) give her some credit jesus well i'm at least grateful i'm i'm grateful for what comes later that shows that she realizes she fucked up which is we move into the next day at work and Mon is so fucked up from last night that this bitch can't even swipe a fucking key card without dropping it. Oh my god, she drops it in the most ridiculous <laughs> way too. She does. Like she first of all, she first of all doesn't like hover it enough to to beep the door. Yeah. And then she just was like, "Oh shit, I'm supposed to drop it. Let me drop it now." Like I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and so she like bends down to pick it up. And then Kunsam arrives, and Mon clearly is like paying attention to her, but Kunsam just walks past her and ignores her. Yeah, I think she's feeling a little bit guilty, mm-hmm. a little bit embarrassed. And so when Mon makes her way into the office, she goes and sits down, and everyone can clock that she has been crying, but they assume that it's because her ideas have not been approved. Then Kirk arrives with a bunch of snacks. And I have to say, I was really suspicious of Kirk at this point. I was like, this man is too kind to be genuine. This cannot be real. I was thinking, like, doesn't he feel like 
like the fun parent who only comes in <laughs> to give treats and to hang out, but doesn't stay around for like any of the discipline or the hard stuff. I don't know. It feels like classic dad behavior. <laughs> yeah. And like the way he comes in too, he's like, oh, I brought a snacks for everybody. Ha ha ha. Like, at, well, at least this time he acknowledges that the snacks were Kunsam's idea. Mm hmm. Yeah, so he says it's Kunsam's idea, and then that's when she comes out of the office, and everyone sort of goes quiet, like, oh shit, what's gonna happen? Um, and she walks over, grabs, oh, I don't know if you noticed this, but in a, the the snacks, like, they're mm -hmm. all in brown bags, except for one. Yes, I did notice that there was one bag different. Uh, it was pink. I feel like it had, like, a little design on it, too, like, it was cute. And Kunsam hands that very directly to Mon uh, to make sure that she partakes of the treats. Yeah, but Mon, <laughs> Mon responds, I'm full. Please save it for yourself. Because she's still, m I, I don't know if Mon is mad at Kunsam or just hurt by Kunsam. Probably more hurt. Yeah, I would say hurt because I definitely would be like that. Like, I could totally see myself and not even saying it to be a bitch, like not even to like be mean or cruel or anything like that. But it's just like, I am so sad. I don't want to take anything from you. You've hurt me. And I wouldn't say that it's my intention, but I'm aware of the impact, which is that it will hurt the person who has hurt me. Kuntam's extending an olive branch right now. She's like, I know I fucked up. Like, I brought these snacks for you so we can make up now, right? Yeah, but that's not a real apology. And I think that Mon, like, needs, like, the real conversation. So I understand her rejecting the treats because it's not enough. The hurt is too much. Everyone in the office is fucking shocked that Mon would say no to Kunsam. And Kunsam just walks back into her office with the uh, snacks and Kirk ends up joining her. And she's just drinking her boba in the cutest fucking way. Oh my gosh, she's so adorable. <laughs> she's like sulking because Mon didn't accept her apology snack. So yeah. She's just like, well, I'm going to eat it myself, blah, blah, blah. Like, so cute. And then Kirk like squishes her cheek and she's like mm, being improper. And I just, I really enjoy how casual they are with each other. Kunsam ends up making a couple of faces at him that I was really surprised that she would do. Like it, I guess it really just highlights how comfortable they are with mm -hmm. each other, even though she doesn't have romantic feelings towards him or doesn't like, you know, views marrying him as some sort of like punishment. That doesn't mean that they don't have like a genuine relationship. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So Kirk points out the fact that she's embarrassed and he kind of wonders why Mon is so upset. And Kunsam says that it's because she was a little too harsh with Mon about her work. You know, she doesn't obviously admit to the fact that they had that conversation at home and that, like, Kunsam knows full well why Mon is upset. She's not going to admit it to Kirk. Oh, 100% she knows. Um, but Kirk, again, being apparently the nicest fucking person ever, is like, I will help my fiancé get back in the good graces of her crush. <laughs> um, especially since Kunsan pointed out that Mon is actually good at the job. And I think Kirk at the end of the day is going to support Kunsan's goal of making sure this company survives. And so for Kirk, 
I think that's his motivation to help Kunsan make up with Mon because they can work well together and mm -hmm. help the company grow. Oh, man. Oh, Kirk. They're like all exiting, I guess, for the end of the day. And he greets her and tries to give some these nonverbal cues to like invite her to dinner and make things better. But in these extremely <laughs> obvious nonverbal cues, <laughs> I don't understand how he's doing them and Mon's not seeing them. Uh, well, I'm sh I think that she does because she makes some faces. It seems to indicate it. But when Kunsam's response is hungry, I'm hungry. <laughs> I love I, lo I actually love it. <laughs> Kunsam's just being her cute little self. <laughs> she, she's not going to come out and be like, will you come to dinner with us as a way of me apologizing to you? She's like, oh, it's dinner time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And it's like, it's going so poorly that Kirk just has to fucking intervene. It's just like, your work has been approved. Let's celebrate this. Like, let's go all get dinner together. <laughs> So we start part four. And so they end up going down to join Kunsam, who apparently is testing out her roof. Um, because Kirk is like, Are you gonna drive with the with the hood down? And she's just like, No, I'm testing the roof. And they're trying to figure out what to go eat. Mon is essentially trying to choose something that is um simple, I'm assuming not expensive. And Kirk had like suggested some things, including French. And Mon was like, oh, you know, like, we don't have to do all that. And Sam's response is, French is simple. Just chew it and eat. And I'm just like, how am I supposed to take everything that comes out of this woman's mouth? Like, why does she have to be like this? I mean, it's true. Whatever food it is, how complicated can it get? You just put it in your mouth and eat it. <laughs> I mean, I don't necessarily think that she is actively trying to be funny or flirty right now but i think these comments like aren't meant to be antagonistic i think that she just she just like has these quick comebacks and they don't really mean anything i guess well i think that it comes from a place of privilege um i think that kunsam has money she's like i think for her she doesn't understand what Mon could mean by, like, simplicity. She's like, food is food. Like, who gives a shit? Whereas Mon, who doesn't come from money or status, doesn't view things in the same way. And and I can relate to that. And, like, my circumstances have vastly increased um, over the course of my life. But I think that that will always be a mentality that I have. So for me, it just felt very rooted in privilege. That's interesting that you bring that up because um, I also made a note that when mon clarified and said that like she just doesn't want anything she doesn't need anything expensive just something average is fine mm -hmm. and kirk essentially was like why don't you choose for us and for me that felt like kirk doesn't know what that mm -hmm. means yeah so she's he's like you tell me then because i don't know <laughs> i would agree i would agree where he's just like oh okay so something that's not a lot of money but like what's not a lot of money to me I don't know that that's not a lot of money to you. So you set the the price point. Yeah. I mean, it is privilege, but I also acknowledge that he's being kind about it. Mm -hmm. 
he's not sort of pointing it out and be like, I don't know what that is. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that Kirk handles it well. Um, but then again, like, so then Mon starts talking about different foods and Kunsam's response to each thing is essentially to like knock it or say like why it's not okay and again i can't help but think i think even after having watched this entire series and having a better insight into her i still cannot determine why she shoots everything down in this kind of way i think she makes these comments but she doesn't actually care because remember kunsam says the opposite of what she feels she's making these comments like judging the food but i think what she actually means is like it all sounds fine so Mon chooses a spot. They get in the vehicle. Kirk is going to drive. Mon is sitting in the back seat. And Kunsam tips her sunglasses down to get a better look at Mon and says that she is sitting very stiffly. You know, why is that? And Mon says, this is a luxury car. I'm usually in a bus um, or other or like taxis, I think. And then again, Kunsam says, like, a car is a car. Which, again, for me, is a, a place of privilege. Uh, you know what? That's interesting because for me, I felt like Kunsam, that was an attempt from her to try to make Mon feel more comfortable. I would agree. I think that her intention was to be like, you know, car's a car, no big deal. But I think that she can say a car is a car and it's no big deal because she's been in every kind of car and has the opportunity to be in these other cars, that they are commonplace. But she actually says, like, just think of it as... A taxi, like think of it as something that you're familiar with. So for me, I felt like Kunsam, she attempted to frame this experience in something that Mon could relate to. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't feel like it came from a place of privilege. I felt like it was surprisingly like caring of her. I, I think that that was her intention. I, I agree. I think that was her intention. I just think that were it me sitting in that vehicle, my response would be like, I can't pretend that this is a taxi because what taxi would be driving this fancy of a car? You can try and make me feel that way because you could feel that way, but I cannot feel that way. I think I think her intention is there. For me, this conversation we're having um, really highlights like a cultural difference mm -hmm. between us um because for me what i perceive kunsam is doing is rooted in chinese culture like we always try to reframe things in a way that like helps the other person feel more comfortable mm -hmm. and so i'm viewing this exchange from that lens i'm i'm assuming that kunsam's coming from a good place she's like oh just think of it as like any other taxi you don't have to think of it as a luxury card it's you know like for me like that is how i see it like i don't it's hard for me to imagine that i don't know i can't finish this sentence i don't know what i'm trying to say <laughs> I think that you're just expressing a difficulty in seeing a perspective that doesn't immediately acknowledge the effort and care that Kunsam is coming from. But like you said, it's that cultural lens of like, that is its form of communication that you know how to, to hear and read. I think that um, what I'm also trying to say is like, I think, I think that, um, 
it can both come from a place of privilege and it's okay for everyone to sort of take Hunsam's word and accept that she's coming from a good place mm -hmm. and that let that be okay let that be enough yeah it doesn't matter that mon may or may not be able to imagine that she's in any other taxi because she's never been in a luxury car before what's important is that everyone's sort of wanting everyone to feel comfortable and that effort is enough and the effort is sufficient and that effort is appreciated yeah and i would definitely say that mon is appreciative um i think that mon sees it for what it is and she and she, that's acceptable for her um i think that very much my response is very much me uh and i don't think that that's true for mon at all kurt goes on to make a joke um which kunsam says is not funny um because I think he's like, he's like, oh, I'm the taxi driver. And she's just like, not funny. Um, and he tells Mon, like, not to get stressed out. Like, he gets stressed out around Kunsam too. Yeah, I mean, even that is another attempt at making sure everybody's feeling comfortable and feeling good. You know, she doesn't, he doesn't want, while they're in this car together, he doesn't want the abrasiveness of Kunsam to, like, ruin the calmness i guess or the camaraderie in a way mm -hmm. yeah so they end up getting to the restaurant and their food is there kunsam and kirk both go for the spices um at the same time so kunsam puts like three spoonfuls of spice on her food and mon is like watching in like awe of her doing this yes because there's so much chili flakes on the pad thai that she's eating she's she's like coated the entire dish in chili flakes mm -hmm. yeah and when kunsam takes a bite she makes her little happy food face <laughs> oh my god i was so shocked that she would make that face in public i was like kunsam the power you, know you are right now <laughs> And she just couldn't help it. And Mon just like watches her, like totally thinking she's cute. Very obviously. Oh, yeah. She's got hard eyes. Yes. For sure. So Mon ends up asking or saying to Kunsam that she's like shocked um, that she could eat spicy food. And Kunsam says, like, yeah, why can't I type of thing? And Sam actually ends up questioning Mon's lack of uh, seasoning or spices on her food who Mon ends up saying that she likes her food, like, she's fine just like that. Kunsam leans over, grabs a lemon, and squirts it on her pad thai and says, like, that's how it's meant to be eaten. And I'm curious how you felt about that. Well, personally, I would be annoyed because, like, I just got done saying, like, I like my food this way. So for me, I'd be like, why did you just ruin my food? But if I think about it from Mon's perspective, she's probably happy as fuck mm -hmm. that Kunsam cared enough about her to be like, no, like, you, this is going to taste much better. And that Kunsam personally squeezed the, I thought it was a lime, but whatever. Anyways, I would not do well with that. But Mon feels cared for. I'm sure of it. Oh, I'm 100% confident. She's like, oh, Kunsam dressed my food for me. <laughs> so sweet. 
So then they talk some more about her ability to eat this food that's spicy and that's like, I guess, like simple. And Kunsan reminds her that she's really just like one generation away from not having a royal title, right? That's what she says. Yeah, she's the last generation to hold a title. But um, what she was saying is that um, below the rank mom Rachawang, um, everyone is considered a commoner. So she's for sure below, I think, I think maybe grandmother holds that title. I'm not a, I'm not a hundred percent sure on who holds that title mm-hmm. as far as Kunsam's family goes, but um, she's just saying that like, she's considered a commoner, even though she holds a title. Oh, okay. So, so she shouldn't, she should, yeah. Like Mon shouldn't be like, like treating her with such deference. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's interesting. So I misinterpreted it, but still kind of to the same effect, which is like, I'm not that big of a deal. Chill out. Right. So then <laughs> so then we go from Mon staring at Kunsam, eating her food and thinking she's the cutest shit ever, to Kirk asking about the location and then Mon giving a little bit of a history about, I can't even remember, like dead bodies at the temple. And then we get into like ghost stories. Yeah, I thought this was such an interesting topic to have while having lunch at the spot because um kirk asks mon why this place is called the pratu p which translates to ghost or spirit gate and the backstory for that is that during the cholera outbreak you couldn't cremate bodies in the city and so remains were brought to temples like where they're at right now and the gates to the temple became known as the spirit gate because of the fact that they're like bringing the remains to burn and to essentially usher those souls into whatever comes next. Yes. And so as they're, they're talking about this, Kunsam is clearly um, scared. (laughs) I mean, really she's scared, you know, and it turns into Kirk teasing Kunsam by what does he have in his mouth? Is it like a green onion? Like, yes, I think it's a green onion. So, so Mon's sharing like a different ghost story about some, but something called Peta. Mm, um, yes, it's called the Peta of Wasutat. So, hungry ghost of the Sutat Temple. They're really tall. Their mouth is tiny, like a pinprick. They appear and ask for merit. And so, you, you, Kunsam turns around to see. Kirk essentially imitating the peta. Mm-hmm. And so he put the green onion or straw, I think it's a green onion, yeah, in his mouth. So, yeah, so that his mouth would be like tiny, like a pinprick. Yes. And Kunsam does not appreciate the teasing and he thinks it's hilarious. And he's like, you know, it's true. Don't be embarrassed. It kind of gave me vibes of like when you were, I see this on television. This never happened to me in real life, but like where someone brings home their significant other to their family and they start going through like the the photo album and embarrassing them. Like it had those kind of vibes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Kunsam definitely doesn't appreciate getting called out like that. And I think she doesn't appreciate it because it's in front of Mon. Oh, yes. Because, like, Mon's already smiling, thinking that Kunsam is so cute for being scared of ghosts. Mm-hmm. And then Kirk calls her out again and just flat out says, like, she doesn't watch horror stories. She doesn't like ghosts. She's scared of ghosts. And Kunsam chokes on her water and gives him this, like, deadly look. Like, how 
dare you say that? I am, I am, boss lady. Don't, don't right. put out my weaknesses. But Mon is just falling more in love with her. She thinks that's adorable too. And so then their meal ends and they drop her off at home. And um, we get to see Nope, um, like behind the fence, like, w- like seeing that they've arrived. And as- okay, so he's like behind the bush in his own house, right? Because we don't get an interaction between him and Mon. Oh. So he's just like peeking over like a freaking creep. I don't know where he was because I never even thought that he lived close by, but that would make sense that he does. They get out of the vehicle and fucking Kunsam like kind of sits her ass, like leans back against her car doesn't really pay attention to Mon as Mon like walks over to say her goodbyes to Kirk. Oh, I would argue that she's paying close attention to Mon. <laughs> she's leaning back against the car and she's like fiddling with her sunglasses. Like she's very intentionally like I thought it was hot what she was doing. And I think she wanted to look hot for Mon to notice. Okay, yes. She, her behavior is for Mon, but what I mean is she's not looking at Mon. She's not giving her attention in the sense of like making eye contact, saying goodbye. Like she's posing for Mon. <laughs> and so Mon is like, you know, saying her goodbyes to to Kirk and Kirk is like similarly, he's like, Oh my god, the commute <laughs> has gotta be like really intense. Um and Mon is like, it's fine. And then Kunsam makes a comment about like this long of a commute, it must impact work quality. And Kirk is like, can you not? <laughs> yeah, we just had to have this entire apology meal and bring Mon home because you guys got in an argument or whatever. Yeah. Can you not ruin it? <laughs> yeah, and Kunsam also brings up ghosts and like Kirk is just like, oh my god, stop. You know, Mon says goodbye to Kirk and then she like looks over to Kunsam who is still not looking at her. <laughs> still back to her i mean they're not having a close proximity eye contact moment right uh-huh. so like so there's no reason for kunsam to look at her she's busy posing <laughs> whatever oh my god so then she like so then mon goes to her home and kunsam does kind of like glance over like oh like wanting to see and kirk points out like oh is that mon's boyfriend He's waiting for her to get home at night. How sweet or cute or something. And Kunsam clearly does not like this. Oh, yeah. You can see the look on her face. Like, who is that? What's your relationship? What are you doing? <laughs> and then Kirk is like, are you done posing? Can we leave? And I kind of love him for calling her out like that. Yeah, I did, too, because, like, he knew... What I don't really understand is, like, if he knew she was posing or whatever, like, why does he think that she's doing it? I think that he just must think that she's, like, trying to act attached in a wanting to seem like a boss to her employers and not as I want to seem cool to someone I'm crushing on. That's my guess. I mean, that's probably I don't I don't think he has any idea. Mm-mm, agree. Don't think know. he has any idea. So Mon goes up to her bedroom and there's Yuki with her dog and they're having a sleepover. Yuki mentions that Nope wants to know when the three of them can get food together. Mon essentially responds to the dinner request or whatever with like, I'm busy right now. Oh, that's true. No. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 
I just cannot stress enough how much I love how clear Mon is being about Nope. <laughs> yes, yeah. She's like, not a priority. I'm working right now with my idol, aka my love. <laughs> I'm not even thinking about you. My mind is consumed by Kunsam. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, and the conversation turns to Kunsam. I mean, Yugi did ask if she's less in love and you know, Mon says that Kunsam is difficult to understand. And I really loved that Mon references Kunsam is difficult to understand. And Yuki's response is, My boyfriend is also difficult to understand. And then she starts detailing some of his behaviors, which are controlling. But I like the parallel because they're essentially making Kunsam the equivalent of a significant other. Oh, yeah, that's that's an interesting point. You're right. Yeah. And um, here's what I really didn't understand. So at some point, Mon says, you'll make me a dog again. And I did not get this joke. I I don't get it. So guess what I did? I turned on the Chinese translator. (laughs) And there was um, a translator's note, but it was more speculation than anything. Okay. So I'm just going to share like how I took the message. So Yuki's talking about her boyfriend Shogun and Yuki feels like he's more of a prisoner's guard than anything. And Mon responds, no comment. You're going to make a dog out of me. So I think that the sentiment of that statement is that like Mon's a loyal friend and every time something like this happens with Yuki's boyfriend, she tries to be supportive and urge her and advise her to to see the red flags that is her boyfriend Shogun and for her to for Yuki to feel empowered to like realize that she deserves better or that this is not a relation how a relationship should go you know like be everything that a good friend is but then Yuki always goes back to Shogun anyway mhm and so I think the sentiment that Mon's expressing is that, like, she's like a loyal puppy that's, like, there for her, but the owner still goes out and, 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 and does whatever he wants to do. Okay. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah. No, I totally hear what you're saying. And, okay, I can accept that because I was really confused by what it meant. So the boyfriend calls and Yuki runs off to the bed to go have a conversation with him. And that exactly proves Mont's point like Yuki will always go running back to Shogun and then and then like make a dog out of Mon like Mon's there being supportive and whatever and she just was like eh whatever I'm not gonna listen to you Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) and so Mon was like she points to uh Singha and says this is a dog and then she points to herself and and this is a dog I thought it was cute yes it is cute it is and (laughs) it is cute and then mon goes ahead and goes back to her desk and she checks her phone and she has a hello sticker from sam and she reciprocates with the same like hello sticker (laughs) yeah it's really cute but of course kunsam has to be kunsam she replies to mon sticker with why did you reply why are you still awake yeah and mon's like i'm i'm going to bed <laughs> and but kunsam's like no talk to me <laughs> yeah i thought that was interesting because that was like a pretty direct thing to say 
It was. And I wonder if, um, I mean, I feel as if though the restaurant, the meal really showed them getting to know each other a little bit more casually. And I think that kind of broke down a layer of formality between them. And I wonder if that's what allowed Kunsam to be kind of just more direct and say like, no, don't go to sleep. Let's chat. Yeah, I mean, and we're also seeing Mon learn about who Kunsam is in present day mm-hmm. rather than whatever she's learned over the years from magazines or articles or whatever. And we see Mon, you know, find it super adorable that Kunsam's afraid of ghosts, that she eats spicy food, that she wants Mon to like try new things that she might like by putting the citrus on her noodles um and i agree like these little moments i wouldn't say they're insignificant or unimportant i think that's what builds a relationship Mm -hmm. it builds a long-lasting relationship is when you have these little moments that like really allow you to see who that person is and how you fit into each other's worlds Mm -hmm. yeah i agree i think it's little things that add up to big things um and so (laughs) kunsam already asked for her to talk to her but takes it one step further and it's like who are you sleeping with (laughs) and mon lies and says that she's alone so i think that when i first watched i thought that mon lied but upon a rewatch i think that mon is like Yuki is lost in her boyfriend's whatever is happening over there. (laughs) Like, I might as well be alone. You know what I mean? Like, nothing. I think that Mon is probably like, I'm not busy or like nothing is interrupting this. You know, like the, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah. Like, she might not literally be alone, but she is free to talk to Kunsam. And so Kunsam ends up you know, trying to take this opportunity to scare her. And it's just like, ooh, there might be a ghost underneath your bed. And I'm like, oh my oh, god. Her flirting. I want to I mention that Kunsam like legitimately smiles like while texting Mon. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, like you, you like her like her. Like <laughs> So then Mon is like, you can play that game. She's like, don't look out your window, Kunsam. There might be a pita out there. And um, I don't think that we get to see Kunsam's reaction because Yuki comes over and is nosy and wanting to see what's happening on her phone, but ultimately chooses to hang out with the dog. She notices that Mon's acting super sus, like, because Mon's like, oh, yeah, I'm just working and talking, <laughs> talking to Singha. I'm not doing anything. And Yuki's like, no you're being suspicious af like what are you doing on your phone let me see your phone and yuki manages to see the phone Mm -hmm. but like remember mon's contact for kunsam Mm. is my boss yeah and uh poor yuki doesn't understand what the what what the word my boss means yeah yes i don't know but she was like i don't know who that is bye yeah (laughs) (laughs) so the night ends p.s a little bit of Becky kind of comes out in Mon during this scene. And uh, I'm not going to say what it, if you know, you know. And then it's the next work day. 
And Mon is going up the stairs. She sees that same photo of Kunsam and she smiles. And I like to believe that she's smiling, you know, because she stopped and she looked at this photo when she first came into work. And now she's looking at it at, at this point in time. And I like to believe that there is, I think that there's supposed to be significance to it. This idea of her seeing this photo of Kunsam and knowing Kunsam in a way she didn't before. This understanding of her a little bit better. So while Mon is looking at the picture, Kunsam arrives and you see that she reaches out and turns Mon around and Mon kind of like goes back to the wall. And I really enjoyed um, the way that Kunsam was like, you know, leaning and she's in her dark outfit. Mon is in her light outfit just kind of that continuing of the complimentary nature of the two of them. Kunsam tips down her sunglasses and they have that eye contact between each other again. And I just really enjoyed, I just enjoy whenever we get these moments of physical contact and intense look with each other. Um, I would say I really enjoyed this episode. Uh, I think that this episode gave me, a lot of insight into some dynamics that are at play in my own life and um, made me chuckle at times and made me feel, made me feel things. How about you? Yeah, I felt like there was a lot to get through. Um, One thing I'll say again is how surprising it was, how much insight we really got into Kunsam's life and, and, the events that sort of shaped the adult Kunsam that she is today. Um, I remember first watching it and feeling like some confusion about her motivations, but really rewatching it with the new lens really made it clear the kind of person she is. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, you know, we got a lot of flashbacks for Kunsam's life um, and get to know a little bit more about her family dynamics, which definitely have a huge impact on who she is as an adult. And I think that I was going to say most of us, but I think that probably everyone in this world can relate to that. Um, our childhood experiences, our family members really impacting the way that we view and interact with the world. All right, so I hope that you enjoyed our recap review of episode two of Gap the Series. If you haven't watched or if you want to rewatch, don't forget you can do that on YouTube with Idol Factory. And we will see you in the next one. If you'd like to keep up with us, you can do so on Twitter at This Lesbian Shit, on Instagram at This Lesbian Ship, and on Patreon at This Lesbian Ship. All right, bye. Bye. This Lesbianship is Intense is a part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts.